Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, welcome to this week's Must Hear Music podcast. We are going to get to discussing songs in a moment. Before we do that, I'm going to toss to myself and Ty Comer, we sat down with Kim Gordon. Yes, that is Kim Gordon of Sonic Youth and Body Head. We were incredibly lucky and honored to get to meet her and speak with her and ask her a few questions about her memoir, Girl in the Band, which just came out this week. So let's listen to that right now. Hello, my name is Joe. I'm here on the Must Hear Music podcast. Uh, I'm here with Ty Comer. No offense, Ty, that's not as exciting, though. We are both very honored to be sitting here with Kim Gordon. Um which is just incredible. I don't even know what to say. I completely concur. My heart is about to beat out of my chest. Kim, thank you for coming by. This is a Thanks. real honor. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. So we both have been reading your new book, Girl in a Band, which is out this week. So congratulations. Thanks. Um, I've got to say that it's a fantastic read. I have missed many subway stops because I've been so engrossed oh, in the book you know, along the way. So, so many interesting things. And Joe, I know that you've been enjoying it as well. Yes, it's fantastic. Um, yeah, I just one thing I was wondering, it was just, I, I think, a really interesting choice that you kind of start the book with what would a lot of people would think this is the most dramatic part, like the end of the band. And then you like travel back in time. So kind of wh- why did you begin with that moment? Um, well, one thing I think that's what people were <laughs> most interested in in a certain way. I don't get it out of the way. Right. But also it's kind of like um, it kind of situates me where I am now. So mm-hmm. it was kind of in a way good to just clear the air with it. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I felt when I was reading the first chapter, because I honestly wasn't quite sure to the degree that you were going to go into talking about your relationship with Thurston. And, you know, the book opens in a very powerful way, you know, just talking about just, you know, how you were feeling at that last show, both from the perspective of the band ending and your marriage with Thurston ending. And it's just felt like, I mean, I felt the emotional weight of that. And I just thought about what it must have been like for you to actually put those emotions and thoughts on paper. And it must have been, I'm imagining, a really cathartic experience. Is that part of the reason, like, why you did this, to sort of get it all out there? Um, well, I hesitate to, to use the word cathartic. I mean, it, it was um, sort of a way... Well, you know, it's sort of a challenge. How do you describe uh, a situation where you actually can't process the feelings in a way? Um, 
and it was a way but you know writing is a way to put make some distance and kind of um figure out how you're feeling or for me it's really the only way I really can think about things um in a in a more um in a clearer way I guess what what point did you decide that you wanted to write this memoir? Uh, I don't know. People started inquiring, you know, different editors. And um, I guess I sort of, you know, it never occurred to me to write a memoir at this point in my life. Or, But, you know, when something traumatic happens, it makes you realize that things can end or you can even die at any moment. <laughs> so sort of like to like get the record straight. Right. <laughs> and one thing we were both kind of caught by is like even before you move to New York and kind of get involved in the art scene, like there's all these people who you are friends with who end up like either being players in the art world or like Danny Elfman. Like it seems like you were just always around a lot of creative people. Is that just like, do you think you gravitate towards that or like you just happen to be very lucky or is California just full of a bunch of soon to be famous people or? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, it's really hard to say. I couldn't, you know, who knows? I mean, you know, I I'm probably gravitate towards sort of unconventional people in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Well, well I, I think that just reading the book, obviously, there's a lot of passages about your musical inspirations and how you got to be a part of the band and started playing music. But in addition to talking about music and your relationship, there's sort of like the discussion about your love affair with New York City. And those are actually some of my favorite passages. I just kind of brought me back to the mid 90s when I moved here and sort of the excitement and the promise of, you know, that New York had to offer. And it's interesting talking about how you've seen the city change places that you used to frequent that are no longer there. What's your relationship with New York City like now? And like when you come back to the city, what are sort of the emotions and thoughts you feel? Um, Well, you know, it's still really exciting to come into the city. And, um, you know, just like also driving over the bridge last night or, you know, at dusk, you know, the lights and the buildings and everything. I mean, it's really like just a, you know, it sounds so cliched, but, you know, it is it was so exciting to see that and but I um I don't know I just feel like as, as far as the art world goes it's um you know just super commercial and um it's just so I, New York to me now is like New York on steroids you know mm-hmm. it's just so hyper and uh I um I guess I feel a little bit of an outsider coming in and out that um, I kind of feel like, um, you know, it's not inspiring to me to live here right now, but I still get excited and stimulated when I come here. I'd like to imagine that a lot of the things that I appreciated about New York in the beginning, um, and the things that you appreciated that there's a version of like, I still think that someone who's coming to New York and who has those dreams of being involved in art and sort of like living their life, they're going to find an inspiration. It's just a different oh, yeah. version of what what. Yeah, I mean, the, the city genetically will always be kind of the same. You know, I think c- cities have that. And um, I just, uh, I mean, if it wasn't for the weather, I'd be really happy to move back here, <laughs> quite frankly. Yeah, it's freezing right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, the weather is pretty You know, I love right New now. York, um, so... I mean, when I was writing in the book, I 
I, I was kind of like, how can I make this not about myself? So <laughs> I wanted to make it more of like a portrait of L.A. in the 60s and 70s in New York and the 80s, 90s more. One, one thing that struck me about the book is when you start talking about the sonic youth music, it just, I mean, your first albums were, you know, very underground, but then obviously by the time Daydream Nation came around, like you meant a lot to a lot of people and were starting to make waves, but you kind of don't get that sense in the book that you realized that. Like, at what point did you realize that sonic youth was kind of like this cultural force that people really cared about? Um, well, I guess, um, you know, Daydream Nation was a sort of a landmark and that I remember it being like number one in the Paz and Jap poll, which is a kind of a big deal, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was, um, I mean, I think Bad, Bad Moon Rising was maybe when that, that was the first record that people, you know, started paying attention to us. And um, like, I think Byron Coley interviewed us for Force Exposure and put us on the cover. Again, it's like, you know, it's, we're talking still like super under, <laughs> underground. <laughs> um, but that was super, really exciting. You know, we were um, like every, it was, you know, it was such a slow evolution of, um, you know, kind of gaining an audience and, and um, different opportunities opening up. But there was always kind of um, frustration with distribution or, you know, uh, getting the records out and that sort of thing. Is there one song or I guess album that kind of stands out for you as like the quintessential or like the defining moment? Well, I mean, I I guess um, Daydream Nation. I mean, um, I mean Daydream Nation in a bigger way. You know, um, obviously, um, that would be the record that I think you know came everything came together on. I remember, I think it was the 20th anniversary of Daydream Nation, and there was a series of shows that Sonic Youth did where you play the album in its entirety as a four-piece. I remember seeing you play in Williamsburg, um, and I'd seen you many times before before then, but there was something special about that show, just sort of like hearing the complete work, um, you know, sort of seeing you as a four piece. It that is the moment for me when I think about all the Sonic Youth shows that this sort of like I'm glad that I had a chance to experience that. When you, I mean, this might be an impossible question, but sort of like looking at you talk about a lot of different concerts and experiences that you had while you're in the band. Um, I mean, now that it's over, when you look back, is there sort of like, is there one moment? Is there a show? Is there an experience? Or is something that sort of stands out to you as sort of being like, just like a really powerful memory, like one you keep going back to? I don't don't know. I mean, there are a lot of really, uh, you know, great shows. Um, I don't know. Like I, you know, when we successfully played the Neil Young Bridge concert, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Bridge Benefit concert, which w- we were supposed to play acoustically, and the first time we played, it was a total disaster, and and he, he eventually we were invited back. <laughs> and uh, that was kind of um, really uh, powerful and emotional because I felt like at that point his crew and were they were kind of all rooting for us or like keeping their fingers crossed if we were gonna like implode or what and um and I don't even remember what songs we played you know I think we played like three songs and as soon as I 
came off stage, um, Paul McCartney was there <laughs> going, <laughs> what tuning is your bass in? And <laughs> I hear you guys use different tunings, and that's an amazing bass. And, you know, I, I was kind of like all pretty surreal. Um, I don't know. Like, uh, you know, there were just a lot of really great moments, um, you know, being on tour in 1991 with Nirvana and getting to see them at that stage every night amazing shows and also having pavement on tour with us in Europe like I just felt like I was getting to see every night watch their shows and I was such a huge fan and um I know those are all really fun you know I think that as as we're reading the book um it's obvious the perspective that you're writing from and there's an undercurrent of sadness that's in a lot of the chapters, sort of sort of looking back and sort of realizing that this is sort of an era gone by. Um, there's one chapter that starts off with you saying that it's hard to write about New York, especially from the perspective of, you know, having a broken heart. What was the hardest chapter of the book for you to write? I mean, that was hard also because um, just trying to nuts and bolts together the world that was that is my art practice and which is such a big part of me that no one you know knows about or you know my music fans or sonic youth fans don't necessarily know um me as but it's such a big part of who i am so that was actually really difficult not in an emotional way but just um how do i do this you know and um um I don't know. It was, it was, it's hard to <laughs> process still like some, you know, I didn't write that much about Sonic Youth because um, one thing I know that <clears throat> someone like Byron Cauley is going to write an amazing Sonic Youth book someday. And, um, you know, I didn't want it to be that. Um, but it's also like I'm still very close to uh, those experiences and memories. And, you know, it's just kind of still processing it all really. And moving forward, I mean, so you had the Bodyhead album, which was incredible. Um, you know, are you working on music right now? Uh, yeah. Um, well, I've actually been recording with... Um Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This uh, person, Alex Nost, who lives in Orange County. <laughs> uh, I know we have sort of a new project. I don't know what it's called yet, but I've been doing that and um, working on a soundtrack for James Franco movie, Zeroville. And 
Bill and I will probably record a album this summer or something. And so the project uh, with Alex Nost in Orange County, is that a duo or like what kind it's of... It's a duo. Yeah, okay. it's a duo. It's, it's um, yeah, it's another duo. So looking at the book, I mean, I think that it's something that we all, you know, as fans knew, but I love the fact that you go so deep into starting off in your younger years and how you were got interested in, you know, visual arts and in poetry and in music. Um, and just sort of looking at how art has been such a central focus of your life before Sonic Youth. And um, it's great to see that, you know, that there there, there are new projects and that that's going to continue. Um, and, you know, with art being such a focus of your life, I mean, I, I sort of, one of the aspects of the book that I love are the photos that are at the beginning of each chapter and sort of, you know, you give like a literal snapshot of where you were at that time and photos that I've never seen before of sort of like the fresh faced girl, you know, who's coming from California, you know, coming to New York, um, you know, still a bit of like the sparkle and the naivety in your eyes. Um, what? I didn't mean it like that at all. But I guess, you know, the, the, uh-huh. the, yeah, the yeah, question yeah. as far as part of this, like, you know, ramble is knowing what you know now, the things that you've experienced in, in the music and your relationship, um, is there any piece of advice that you wish that you could go back and sort of give to that fresh faced girl who was coming to New York? Is there one piece of information that you wish that you had back then? Well, I guess it's um, like, be careful what you wish for because <laughs> you might get it and then you have to like, that's your life. No, um, I you know, just really um, to kind of persevere and um, follow the thread of your interest where it leads you. Um, it's like, I don't, um, you know, I am mostly concentrating on visual art now, um, aside from the book. One thing, speaking about newer music that I did want to ask, so there's a great part in the book where you talk about sneaking in to watch your daughter um, play a show. Is that, would you ever, like, consider, like, doing music with your daughter, or is, is she just, like, totally wants to be separate from you? No, I mean, she doesn't actually do music anymore. She, um... Uh, she goes to the Chicago Art Institute. She's a painter. Oh, yeah, that was just a high school fun okay. thing. Yeah. So that's done. Is there anyone you're listening to these days, like newer bands that you are really into? Um, uh, I don't know. Like I kind of, um, I mean, I, I tend to discover like older music or, you know, mm-hmm. there's this record that I, came out a few years ago by a woman, a German woman, who I think she recorded it a while ago and her son found this cassette in her drawer. And um, Sybil Bear, I don't know if you know that record. She's, um, I think she like had this relationship with Wim Wenders that ended horribly and she was kind of suicidal and somebody invited her on this road trip and, and she came back and wrote this record which is kind of an amazing record um i don't know and you know i like people like Catherine ribeiro and um i don't know i do listen to kurt vile <laughs> <laughs> awesome well some definite things for us to check yeah, out and check everybody out. should oh, yeah, also I'm a, I'm a huge bardo pond fan actually oh yeah i love okay. bardo pond. yeah yeah i love that every record they put out is like a double album <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
plenty of new music. Well, some great stuff for us to check out. And, you know, obviously everyone who's listening um, should check out Girl in a Band as well. If you are a Sonic Youth fan, if you are a Kim Gordon fan, this is a must read. Um, thank you for sharing so much with us both here today and oh, yeah. in the book. It's really fantastic to sort of, you know, go through your journey with you in this way. So thanks so much for coming. Really, thanks really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. All right. That was Kim Gordon. I'm still still giddy off of that. Ty is also really he was really excited about that we were both beaming all day (laughs) um but enough about us and kim let's uh let's talk about some tunes so we've got what what do we want to start with here let's start with uh a a jason pick i'm jason lipschitz by the way oh yeah sorry we're sitting here with jason lipschitz and (laughs) sorry i'm still dazzled from kim gordon that's fine man i don't care who's around me yeah we literally mean nothing to joe and uh especially not today yeah not today um are we starting with one of my picks yeah nate Roos. Uh, yeah, so Nate Roos of Fun is putting out a solo album, just like Jack Antonoff of Fun did. And um, he put out his first single uh, earlier this week, I think on Monday. And I really like what I hear. It, it sounds a lot like Fun. It's kind of has that, pe- like people who like We Are Young and Some Nights and just the Some Nights album in general are going to like this song a lot. And I think, or maybe not. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go, go Eric ahead. was just giving some side <laughs> eyes. I don't think. Here's what I'll say. I don't think it's on the level of a song like "We Are Young" or "Some Nights," but I think it's in that same mold. Uh, whereas Jack Antonoff's Bleachers project kind of deviated from what mm-hmm. Fun was doing completely in a way that I really appreciated. Nate seems like he's sticking, and obviously it's it's partially because he's the lead singer of Fun, so right. it's going to sound it's vocally. Gonna sound like him it's the yeah, it's going to say, yeah, hey, yeah. Um, he's not really stepping too far out of what Fun has been doing on their past two albums, and you know, I, I think that it's interesting that he decided to go with a solo album instead of saving these songs for the new Fun record. Because and he has a new interview with Rolling Stone where he talks about the fact that um, some of these songs just uh, he he was in love and and some of these songs are very personal to him and I give him credit for making that decision. It's a lot tougher than saying hey let's get fun back together and this is a passion project. Um, do I think that the song is absolutely incredible? No, probably it's 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 a little bit short of that. But um, what do you guys think? I'll stop rambling. Uh, well, I I did I did give you a side eye just because, okay. and I'm glad that you uh, was aware and said that it is like the feel of that album, not necessarily as great as those two songs, because that's just exactly yeah, what I, I wanted to so say. So before I'm gonna interrupt you again, I want to I want to let <laughs> I wanted to let the listeners know that um, Erica, we make fun of you a lot for only listening to like Drake and Adele. Sam Smith and Kanye. Um, <laughs> I want to let the listeners know that Fun is a band that you like and the only band that is that not, you true. Like. not true. So people are not. Be, you need to stop. People are gonna stop <laughs> listening to this podcast. They're not gonna see me I as a credible people, person. I more she people listens listen to three to singers. <laughs> no, Erica listens to other music. As I, yeah, I know. I, I, te- I tease Erica. You were surprised that I. Listened. I was very surprised. One day you were like, oh, "I really like that band." 
fun. And this was before Some Nights really took off, the, the album. And then just and a couple like, days ago, uh. you're like, I get it. It was like a year later, and you're like, I get it. I yeah. Get why you like them. But yeah. yes, which is exactly, I was, I like those two <laughs> I'm songs. I'm sorry. Now I feel bad about saying that. But you're such a hater. I, I people know. are now, people can I think it's hate. very funny. I think that's, <laughs> that running joke is very funny. But go ahead. Uh, no, I mean, that was pretty much what I was going to say, that I feel like it is like, um, has a feel of that album, but it, it's not as, you know, catchy as those two, as those two singles. Um, but I mean, I like it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I feel like it's um, going along with what you saying with what you were saying. It it definitely is more in the mold of fun. Like Bleachers was um, very poppy, but kind of more like bedroom pop sounds. And yeah. this is like a super epic, like a very theatrical performance. The sound is theatrical. It's arguably overproduced, um, but I think that's fine. Like I think one of the things I liked about Fun is that they reminded me of Queen at their most like kind of ridiculous and pompous and I think fun I mean they don't exactly sound like Queen but they have that quality that Freddie Mercury-esque quality um so I'm totally on board with this song the only thing I don't like is if you're gonna kind of go like this epic and like middle of the road like at least come up with a more interesting chorus like nothing without love is just like the most like bland sentiment oh come on i mean i don't mean to be a so hater but hate like love i will i hate love <laughs> i hate people who are in love no i think it's just it's not too, terribly interesting and i'm also saying that because the rest of the lyrics are kind of good like they have there's this one lyric i, I wrote down Three years at sea after the storm, he's singing. And it was like, fun, or, or fun and Nate Ruiz are such weird artists. Like, how many pop singers out there use, like, seafaring imagery in their works or or have a Civil War-themed music video? Like, yeah. they're very, like, they have a lot of, like, kind of literary overtones to what they do. So I feel like the lyrics, the chorus should have been better on this because okay. the lyrics are actually pretty good. Yeah, I don't know if it, if... The thing about it, this song, is that it just kind of reminds me of Fun's first album more mm-hmm. than its second album. Uh, Aim and Ignite is is Fun's first album before they got really famous, and it's a it's a it's a good album, but it's definitely not as ambitious as Some Nights was. And it, you think about a song like We Are Young with that time change, mm-hmm. um, it, something like that is like really strange in pop music, and I think that's w- part of the reason why they really took off. And that this song doesn't really have that kind of ambition. Um, it's very, like you said, like epic, and it's like uh, quote unquote stadium size. But it's just, it's just a little. More, the course is a little more safe than yeah. than something like a like a some nights. Totally. So anyway, well let's let's listen to it. Nate Roos, uh, nothing without love. That was Nate Roos, uh, solo member of Fun, Nothing Without Love. Next up, let's talk about an Erica pick. We've got Big Sean featuring Chris Brown and Ty Dolla Sign. Which I will Plano point out games. does not have Drake or Kanye or Adele yeah, or Sam Smith true. on it. It's true. A checkmate. <laughs> uh, I really, well, I'm a big fan of Big Sean's new album, Dark Sky Paradise. I feel like that's, this is his best album to date. Um, he's, it's, a moody kind of dark 
album very angsty very boastful um i feel like he's had he struggled on being like charismatic and also um, and relatable as far as what he raps about so i think that he kind of got it with this album this song stands out from the rest because it's not as dark as the other ones and he's not very angry or boastful or talking about ex-bitter lovers if anything you know it's him chris brown and ty dollar sign on a guy sample with like very also it's just very fun and still catchy lyrics so i think that that kind of shows that he could kind of play both sides very well um i i want to know what jason feels since uh he has some thoughts on big sean yeah people (laughs) (laughs) not to put you on the spot it's okay it's just i People know. really, people really like this Big Sean album. I, I get it. I get why people like it. I'm still not a huge fan. You I just heard don't. It all. I did. I actually okay, listened good. to it. Great. I okay. did listen to the Big Sean album. It wasn't the the most enjoyable experience for me. Wow. Did I you do. like it more than the last one though? Or I gotta be honest. I did not hear the last one. Okay. I heard her his first album, Finally Famous. Um, the si- the name of the second album escapes me right now. Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. Yeah sure um so the hate big sean seemed like a really nice guy when he was in the office by the way i've talked to him like three times he's super nice very chill um he has a no f's uh mentality going on right now no f's i respect it yeah he was Um, so friendly when he came in the office super friendly i just like i didn't even meet him and he walked by and he was like hey what's up people see you later yeah on the way out like he was just unnecessarily nice. yeah he was very yeah he was very nice yeah he, and he's in a good space no no i i have you no just hate. i don't hate <laughs> i have to i just have to be honest I, I just think that what he's doing is not the kind of hip-hop that i am personally a fan of right i do enjoy i don't f with you i don't, I don't think I, anyone i want to hear you do the chorus jason no can i can't i it. can't i can't do it on the podcast Why? I'll do it. We can, yeah. we, i don't care we can no no right, today fine. you <laughs> you made a Tyga impersonation. I did. I did read Tyga lyrics in Tyga's cadence, and I, I'm not going to do that on the podcast either. All right. Um. Sorry, guys. Can we do it for the Juice podcast? That's yeah. Maybe for the Juice <laughs> podcast. But I. I just don't listen. This Big Sean album is going to be very, very successful. I think that it's the biggest one. It's going to have one of the bigger, you know, release weeks of the year. Probably second only to drake i mean that's just a a guess right now uh we don't know the numbers right now but yeah big sean's just really popular and he's really successful in what he's doing and and this song is kind of in the same mold and i don't f with it (laughs) but you go joe um i mean yeah i don't know how to follow that but um i i think i agree with you that big sean is you know maybe not technically the greatest rapper out there but I, I have, he has kind of won me over with, I guess, just a combination of personality and, like, perseverance. Like, he really cares about hip-hop, and his love comes through in the music, and that is fun to listen to, like, someone who loves what they're doing. So, you know, that being said, I, I don't know if this is going to be an album that I'm going to spin that many times, but I do like the song a lot. Um, I think it would be a nice follow-up single because it's kind of a different more melodic soulful side um the sample by the way is from the new uh new jack swing group guy from the late 80s and that was the group that teddy riley was in 
the very wonderful put singer-songwriter. Him on, put people on. And, uh, you know, I would say, really, all I have to say, yeah, I mean, the song it samples is a great song. This is nice. I, I feel like I'm somewhere between Erica and Jason on this. It's probably for the best. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Middle ground, Switzerland. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, but let's listen to it. So this is uh, Big Sean featuring Chris Brown and Ty Dolla Sign, Play No Games. Okay, I won't deny it. Half the time you send a text, yep, you know I'm not replying. Just to let you know I'm not one of them niggas you be dodging. I'm the one that you dodge with. I'm the one that you gon' take that dress and save and not the closet. I'm the one you need alone. I'm the one that when you're around your friends that you gotta put on speakerphone. All right, that was Big Sean. Uh, next up, we're gonna do one of my picks. So uh, this is we're going a little indie on this one. I mean, we had Kim Gordon on the podcast earlier, so yeah. so I'm keeping in that vein. I'm going Dan Deacon. His new album is out this week. It's called Gliss Riffer. Uh, I picked the first track on the album. It's called Feel the Lightning. I think, uh, first off, I like the album. I really like the song I picked. A lot of people who were introduced to Dan Deacon, you know, maybe eight years ago, kind of found him because of the uh, a song where he samples Woody Woodpecker. <laughs> Woody Woodpecker's incredibly irritating laugh kind of looped over and over and over. Uh, and, you know, it, that's the kind of song that gets you notoriety, but it's not the kind of song you want to listen to, like, over and over. What, Jason? You... Oh, my God. It's just so funny because, like, I remember I was in college when when Dan Deacon's um, The Spider-Man of the Rings yes. came out. And I remember it was it got like an 8.7 on Pitchfork. And I was like, wow, this album, you know, it's getting a lot of great reviews. And I listened to it, and the first song – is literally just Woody Woodpecker's like, ha, 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 but like looped like hundreds of times and like stacked on top of each other. I was like, this is a joke. Like this is not, yeah. this is a joke. Like, <laughs> but he really is like that's a why musical it's just, it's, maestro. It's such a funny memory. Of it's, just, it like, is a really funny. It's just like, a ma- like imagine being like everybody like, yo, you have to hear this album. You have to hear this. It was kind of like when when Das Racist made their big splash. It was with Pizza Hut and Taco Bell, which is similarly a really dumb, repetitive song. But they actually are incredible. But that was kind of like the first taste of it. Um, But anyways, back to Dan Deacon. So since then, he's kind of eased up on the more uh, grading type of, you know, like sample-based stuff. His last album was 2012's America, and it was really just kind of like an electronic opera sound almost. Yeah. Like it's recently we, we talked about Sufjan and uh, I was saying one of his favorite albums is the BQE instrumental album he did. And that's kind of like the vein Dan Deacon was doing on his last album. Uh, this is continuing in that, but a little more song based. Uh, I would just say, you know, the song is like syncopated rhythms at the beginning, but then it kind of moves into a little bit more of a predictable electronic beat. The thing I really like about what he's doing is this very expansive sound, but it's not overproduced. Like there's a lot of kind of space left in the mix, so it never like overwhelms you. Um, And then towards the end, he has kind of voices interweaving with each other, voices singing first person narratives. So in a very slight way, it even reminds me of like a Philip Glass kind of like minimalist opera. Like it just, it's this nice combination between indie and, you know, like a little more of a kind of classical pop sound. Yeah, I I was surprised by how much I like this. And it really, he really has progressed. And I've been like vaguely paying attention to Dan Deacon stuff. I've 
give it I've listened to all of his albums but usually no mm. more than once and um, I, I I was surprised I haven't listened to any of his, this new album yet before before you show me this and I was surprised by how melodic it was and how just pleasant it was after the cacophony right. of the Woody Woodpecker era and he's you know he's been gradually moving away from that but it, it's still a little surprising I, I it's so it's just so funny to think about that first album um, you know I, I are you Joe? Are you a fan of? Have you ever heard of the artist Max Tundra? No. No. If you like this kind of stuff, it, this I've reminded me of uh, electronic artist Max Tundra, who hasn't put out an album since I think 2008. Uh, Parallax Error beheads you, but it's in the very very similar vein to this. Very good stuff. So uh, yeah, right, hey, I'll have to check that out. There you go. No, I have to know, Erica. Did you listen to this? I listened to three. Of the four minutes and fifty three seconds of it, <laughs> hey, that's the all first, I ask. The first, that's all you ask. Not the, even the whole song. No, I wasn't even expecting the first three minutes. Uh, so that's yeah, take what I can get. It's pretty good. Three minutes. I was almost there. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason lied and said that on the last part, Adele would appear, and I was still. <laughs> <laughs> I almost got it. Um, I would say that it's not, you know, my cup of tea. It's your big show. It's it's my big Sean. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't hate on it either. Like you hate it on big Sean. I did not hate on big Sean. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I like it. I just don't think it's for me. I guess I he is, it fair. is my, it is my big Sean. Yeah. It's not your cup of tea. It's I not my cup good of tea. Yes. So let's listen to it and see if you think it's your cup of tea. <laughs> you am addressing the listener now, even though I'm looking directly into Jason's eyes. Hey, man. So, um, but anyways, it's Dan Deacon. Feel the lightning. Dan Deacon, next and last, let's talk about another Jason pick. Oh, yeah. Phoebe Ryan. Phoebe the song Ryan. is called Mine. Yeah, so Phoebe Ryan is an artist uh, based in Los Angeles. And uh, it's funny because I heard this song for the first time on Thursday when I got a blast about its music video being out. Uh, it, it's a couple weeks old, but I, I was, you know, per usual late on it. But, um, I, I love this song. I, I, it's it's a great. It's her debut single. She, um, she's a young artist. She's 24, and before mine, she put out a cover mashup of Miguel's "Do You" and R. Kelly's "Ignition Remix," which is which is a fun listen. But this is like we exclusively premiered. We did exclusively premiere. Indeed, we did. Shout out to Billboard. Shout out to Billboard, the brand. But yeah, the. I, I I just really was captivated with this song. I, I think it's just so charming and so lyrically strong. That that's that's what really stuck out to me. And it uh her voice has this kind of airiness that reminds me of Ellie Goulding a lot. And um yeah, I, I mean she's just 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 getting started. She's unsigned. She's playing her first couple shows in New York and LA over the next month and a half. Um, I, I spoke, I, I, I picked this one because I spoke to her actually on the phone on Friday and, um, that story is up now on Bilber.com if you want to check it out. She's very lovely and, um, yeah, it, it, it's just a song that's been on repeat for me as soon as it's a one listen kind of song and that has really beguiled me. What did you think, Joe? I, I like beguiled. hey like that word. Oh, thanks guys. Um, uh, you know. I, I think one, one thing I'll say that's interesting you said 
it sounds like Ellie Goulding because, th- sorry, I'm, I'm not going to belabor this stupid comparison, but oh, I like this. it reminded me of Lights, not her song Lights, but rather yeah, the yeah, singer yeah. Lights. Ah. Like, the voice is yeah, I agree uh, with that. pretty similar to that. I like this, and I feel like I listened to it, and I was like, I want to hear more from her. I don't know if like this is the song for me. There was something oh, that was okay. a little like regular about it. Okay. And w- one thing I was reading about her on Billboard.com. Hey-oh. Um, and apparently Did you read my story? I didn't. I was reading the exclusive. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't even oh, know. It wasn't no hate. It came up yesterday. Out of it's like episode of this podcast. That was the best hate. Oh ever. my god! I just I, I totally missed it. I'm. You like I'll su- read it ASAP, you like Jason. It on Google and you saw my story from yesterday. And another person's story from like a month ago. You're like, no, I. <laughs> I'll su- I, I'll I happened to edit the story, the other one that went up. I wow. just missed yours per, by chance. Uh, nothing personal, but anyway. So she's from apparently Jersey originally. Yeah, which I didn't know. And great. this is this is gonna be a little more like shade, and I I really don't mean this too harshly, but it, it just <laughs> made sense to me that she would. Like if you to me if you're like Jersey and you want to do music like why wouldn't you move to New York? It makes sense to me that she chose L.A. because her sound is a little more okay. polished, a little more middle of the road. Yeah. Um, that being said, I feel like there's nothing wrong with that, and I feel like with the right song, she could be great. Yeah, it. yeah. She's worked with um, one of her producers worked on the Tovlo album, and she's written with um, Oh Honey, which is like a folk pop group, and B Miller. She's kind of doing like. One of the things she said to me is that she kind of admires someone like Sia, who does mm-hmm. a lot of songwriting for other people, and while keeping her own stuff intact. So, yeah, what did you what did you think about this song, Erica? It's my new like breakup anthem. Oh, Ooh. is it even a? Yeah, I guess it's it a breakup is, song, right? It's like a self love anthem. Oh, I would call it even that better. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really like it. I like her. I, you know, again, I'm usually like a big fan of. Um, big vocals but i really like hers it did remind me of tovlov is that how you say yeah, it i don't want to mess yeah. up her name um it did remind me of that as far as like the production goes and i'm a fan of the songwriting yeah i mean like i you you put me on so i really want to like check out more music oh, from her yeah. <laughs> that's what maybe it's all a, about here maybe you'll send me a, a big shot song i'm gonna i'm gonna send you all the big shot songs <laughs> well, but yeah go. i'm a i'm a fan of her Cool. Well, let's let's give it a listen. It's Phoebe Ryan. The song is called Mine. I know that it's mine no matter what I do. That was Phoebe Ryan. Uh, before we sign off, I just wanted to give a shout out to uh, Mr. Wives, who stopped by our podcast some time ago to perform uh, their song Reflections for us. Their album is out this week. It's Our Own House. Oh, yeah. And uh, Jason just did an interview with them. Yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. They're, they're lovely people. They're the best. Yeah, Mandy, the lead singer, is apparently an amazing uh, baker, and I want her to bake me something. Like, Did you talk to your fiance about that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not baking. Isn't a euphemism for anything? <laughs> Bake me food. I'm so sorry, food. No, but I like every t- like I've I've spoken to them a couple times, and every time their bandmate, it just comes up that she's an amazing uh, amazing chef. I guess baker chef. Yeah, I mean they're kind of different things. Yeah. She's a so uh, she's an amazing baker. Television tells me. Um, <laughs> Show. Um, but anyway, that that was a completely uh, 
you know, right. random tangent. Anyways, but Mr. yeah, Mr. Wives, Mr. Wives album. Great, great baking, great album. Yeah. Check it out. Um, that's all we have this week. Thank you so much for listening and uh, have a great week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.